0: This poem is called A Change Gonna Come Please don't nobody sue me for that name Okay We said we write a poem To hint towards our change But the words are escaping me Oh, this is very strange So I'm just gonna tell y'all That things will not stay the same We had a stroke of genius And we might just change our name
1: And we are back as the formerly known as just us podcast now called the creative block podcast this is the first time that we are officially recording underneath our new moniker welcome to the creative block the dopest spot for exploring all things tech brands and culture We're a group of emerging creatives that come together after hours to pick each other's brains about any topic. And whether it's educational, thought-provoking, or just plain weird, it's always a vibe with us.
0: So if you're at our block party, you've probably found yourself daydreaming about how the world could be and how the whole squad can win.
2: Come kick it with us. And while you're listening, send us your thoughts to our Instagram at The Creative Block Podcast hit that subscribe button and catch us Thursdays on the block.
1: So essentially every year, the folks over at the UX Collective put out a list of trends to, to look forward to as designers, as creative people. But this year, and you know, because of everything that went on, they switched up a little bit and changed it to lessons to learn or lessons to take away from this year. So we're going to go through some of our top lessons and sort of bucket them in as they relate to our show, our own creativity, and then what lessons we think that everyone, so folks like you, should have in their back pocket. One
0: thing that was listed on that list was find the truth and tell the truth. Just because this is a podcast that is built on the back of like, helping people grow and accelerate. We talk about design and we talk about trends in design and we talk about like what brands are doing a lot of the time. So just for them to just have their own reference and that will be important um, in 2021. I think we do a great job of this already. Mm -hmm. It's just um, really layering in like resources and things like that and where we find our information. I think that kind of helps us and aids us with, you know, always being truthful while still being able to supply our opinion.
1: If 2020 did one thing, it augmented the way I think about what is what is truthful and like what are facts.
0: There is a topic also in this hundreds list. that talks about like the truth is behind a paywall, mm. but the lies are free.
1: <laughs> you can choose to tell the truth, and that's free. But you instead choose the lie. What
0: 2020? Um, it definitely augmented what what is truth, and I think that like brands like Twitter try to be our discernment for us and saying like, oh, you might want to fact check this. This might not be completely based in, you know, facts, you know, making sure that the things that we consumed is factual, but that was only with like major players. Yeah. So Trump, like, um, how they revoked his access to like Twitter and Instagram and all these social media platforms, like that's a, that's the power. And that's control to be able to control your free will to speak. Um, And if they're doing that to him, of course, like we, we are little people. So we don't really have any power or control, but they could do that to us too and kind of control our freedom of speech and our platforms. And I think that is a terrible use of like.
1: That, that is such like a, like a dystopian way of like thinking, looking at it, if you think about it, you know, because everybody sort of applauded them for taking Trump off. But then, the reverse of that is they can take any of us off and they can limit any of our speech, any of our, you know, certain, a certain place. And I don't think we all see these social medias as, you know, a platform like that or as a place where, yeah. where we can get like restricted in that way.
0: And our good sis, Carrie, Carrie Hilson, is that what you name? say,
1: Carrie Washington, Carrie Hilson? No, You're Carrie. talking about Beyonce's, the the Beyonce one to be.
0: Don't we're not gonna do all of that. Oh, we're, not do, we're, not, we're not gonna compare two wonderful black women, okay?
1: Okay, but we can call a spade a spade. She said what she said about Beyonce and look at her career.
0: She said she told Beyonce she needed to sit down and have some children and Beyonce stood up and had her children and she's still standing, but we're not gonna we're not gonna do that, okay? But my good sis had a point. <laughs> Hey, okay. when she said <laughs> what she said and people, it, she got a lot of backlash for said. saying that, you know, it was a power move for Twitter and all the social medias to snatch his uh, his privilege away to be able to post. On the long lost social media episode, this is the type of thing that we got into
2: where it's like, what is the ramifications of setting a precedent for something like this?
1: And we will not recover that episode but I again, guess. but.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: power moves like that augment our perception of truth. Because if you, well, if they can essentially change and dictate who is on a platform, that changes what becomes the truth because it changes who's speaking. So unless you put a hundred percent, you know, factual evidence up here, I don't know, it's something, you know, is the truth actually the truth or is the truth actually false or fabricated is a better word for it.
0: Well, child, listen. This is why we have to be, you know, we have to use our own discernment. You have to be able to decipher for yourself what you want to believe and what you don't want to believe. And I think it's a, I think it's a very personal thing of what you think the truth is. Because I can tell you, the sky is blue. If you think it's green, then well, how can how can I prove it to you when this, the sky is right there? You can just look at it and see that it's blue.
1: That goes kind of hand in hand with what um, I thought the lesson for our show would be is that, you know, we have a lot of this power as designers of mostly digital things. You know, a lot of these platforms, a lot of people are using. Um, and lesson number 54 was being a designer is still a privilege. I'm a designer. I'm a black designer, but I still have some sort of privilege in holding this role. But I'm also part of the oppressed group. I think it's a call to action for us to step up in some of these roles and like recognize it as a privilege to step up.
0: I don't even like really using that the word minorities, but even though we do um, come from like a minority group of people in America, like we still have different privileges. Like there's people I was sat next to in high school, middle school, elementary school that could have never afforded the opportunity to, one, go to college, B, go to grad school, and then C, assume the role as a designer, Or like live out the dreams that they've had because they had like they had a mission that they had to fulfill. Like I have a family that I have to take care of. So, no, I can't go to school. I can't, you know, wait. Sometimes people call it wasting time. I I can't waste time. I can't beat my feet because I have to go straight to work to take care of my family. The designers that, that are designing right now, like us and the people that came before us, they were not designing spaces for the people that we sat in the classroom with that didn't have these opportunities. They, they're not designing things based on that. So I think it is our responsibility to be the voice of those people who are able.
2: And I don't know that we set out to become role models, but I think it's cool that we are able to, we have the privilege of showing where we're coming from, what we've learned, have conversations out in the open. So when you, when you guys talk about truth and how it relates to our show and just being transparent, I think that a lot of what we do is because we want to develop ourselves and because we want the people around us to have the opportunity to do things as well. Because so I know that I've had tons of mentors mentors that were paving the way just for me to be able to do something.
0: Yeah, but I think that that's what we're, like, that's kind of what we're accomplishing, too, with our platform. Is one, we're calling awareness to it. Like, we're calling, we calling people out on their bullshit for real. Like, this, y'all doing some crazy shit and y'all need to fix it. And two, we're making room for the people who look like us. And so as we're on our way up, I think that something that I do and something that I know for a fact that y'all do, if somebody reaches out to y'all on LinkedIn or Instagram, like can you, you know, can you look at my portfolio? Do you have any advice for me on how I can transition into mm-hmm. these roles? Mm-hmm. Just being open and available mm-hmm. to be like, yeah, you know, whatever. Like what 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 do you need? I got you. Right. Um, and being that like being the person to bring them up as well. Cause yeah, we still fighting battles up here. Mm-hmm. But the people I think that people have to fight battles. And we just, you know, that's that's what we're doing. We're here to like pave the way. And to make room for the people who come, who's coming after us. And I think that's very important.
2: That's a good transition to the one that I had to share. Because we're talking about transparency as well as um, like balance and being selective of what you can give. And what I was going to talk about was that the best design conversations are not televised. And they go into saying how people are only showing their best selves when they're on LinkedIn or they're speaking in panels or whatnot, but for us, for our show, we're doing more than that. We're not only doing the stuffed up versions of us. We're very much acknowledging that we're novice and on our journey somewhere. Um, And we do what we can certainly, but in between ourselves, you know, what we're planning, we're doing things that result in what people see. But on the back end, there is effort that we apply and can be applied towards Um, you know, like doing what we uh, seek out to do, like inspiring other people, making room for other people, um, and just getting out there. Like what you just talked about with people finding you on a list, Treasure, and then asking, like looking for answers, like that's not doing that due diligence. And that's something that we do on our own, like to get our show out there and to kind of continue to make connections as you said, and network. And I think that's something that the show will start to see fruits from
1: in this year.
2: We've built I a good that's, foundation. that's
1: so it. true. Like the, the sort of days of having the, the poster child for design, I hope are coming to a, an end. And more people can have these sort of underground conversations where people can, you know, be free for themselves and actually feel like they can have that spot. I know that's one thing that this show is, you know, and will always be um but it god I just hope that we don't see no more like rock star designers and this is at the third anymore
0: yeah <laughs> I think I, I don't know how fast that's gonna phase out please but, let it
1: be tomorrow
0: <laughs> but we are I think I think it's right now it's death to celebrity in whatever way that celebrity is so death to like the rock star designers, death to like people who take all the credit, death to, you know, all of those things. And I think it's going to be a slow <laughs> phase out, but, you know, it's it's happening. It's happening.
1: Yeah. Hmm. I feel like out of all three of these things or three lessons that we mentioned, something that shines true is just like truth and just all of the, the many ways the truth can live, right?
0: hmm Yep, being true to you being true to the information that you put out being true to like yeah I think that is I think that's accurate truth is definitely a string that kind of strings those three along and uh, SP back back to the um like the best design conversations won't be televised like we we knew that we knew that coming into uh doing this podcast like we used to have conversations all the time and y'all are like why don't we just record these conversations we always have good conversations anyway we We used to be in the basement studio (laughs) (laughs) so here we are recording some i guess some good design conversations but even still like we have conversations outside the podcast that still are like Wait, hold on. We should be recording this because this this is good stuff.
2: You capture this, because it'll be times that we're not even trying to be on, that we're saying things and like just having this mm-hmm. deep conversation. Do y'all feel
1: like it's weird being on the mic as a as a way that like makes it feel like it's televised. I feel like sometimes I get on this mic and I'm just like, girl, I done went blank until I get you know, until I get warmed up again. And then it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, this is natural, this is all feeling, this is you know, it doesn't feel as because I think that sometimes having a podcast can make it seem that we are a performance in nature, you know? Like, oh, we're trying, we're trying hard to have this conversation. Yeah. yeah we're but experts, like, no, if y'all yeah. met us, this is fucking how we talk all, all the all the time. All the time. <laughs> we're just nerds. Like, like it's, it's a, you know, it's no trying, it's no being the it's no thing into a box. We're really just like, y'all see this shit? Or oh, I wonder how this happened, or look at this crazy, you know, it's and and so I feel like we are a living testament to just living in our truth and just being ourselves, regardless mm. of uh you know, fame, fortune, or whatever other people are like aspiring for. We just thoroughly enjoy talking about this stuff. I don't know. So I guess the the theme of the creative block for 2021 is truth in all of its forms. Yeah.
0: All right, y'all. We
1: we'll want the next one. That that some mm-hmm. that some that one right on <laughs> up. Okay.
0: <laughs> from this 100s list, what really resonated with us personally, or what lessons do we want to take away from it, or you know what? How do we plan to implement these uh, next few into you know our personal creativity? So the one I had was number 28 on the list. And it says not every project needs to follow the same process.
1: Mm, our goal, Read that one again. <laughs> not,
0: <laughs> this one is for the people in the back. With bravado.
1: <laughs> with bravado.
0: <laughs> not every project needs to follow the same process. Mm. So our goal as designers should be to seek clarity and not to impose a path to achieve it. So when we talk about like the design process and everybody's always on this uh, journey to like have the best process or need a process to design. And while, yeah, you should have like a framework or something in mind, I don't think, I think every time you do something it's gonna be different every Mm -hmm. time. Um, Especially if you're working on different um, different types of projects and different Mm -hmm. types of work. Uh, Every time it's gonna be different. It's Mm -hmm. gonna call for different frameworks. It's gonna call for different types of workshops. Not everything is going to have the same exact process. Mm -hmm. So I think we need to just uh, be nimble, be flexible and be, you know, ready to change at the drop of a dime. I think that's the important. So my question for
1: you is, Treasure, how do you sort of stay nimble in that way? Because I've seen it as, you know, if you're working a job, you might have the same sort of problems that come. And so you can sort of fall into this habit. Because, you you know, you just get so used to, okay, here's a problem. I know we do A, B, C, you know, you kind of fall into that rhythm and groove. So how do you yourself, like, combat th- that type of stuff?
0: So thank God I work for an agency. Every project mm. that I work on is completely different. So I don't even have time to fall into that rhythm of, like, what should I do here? Oh, we have a process. Let me go A, a to Z. this one like this project that I'm on what is the one that I just got off of it might skip step B B through F like Mm -hmm. and you just gotta roll with it. Um so it just really depends on the project. I don't know how I stay nimble. I just do what I use my intuition to tell me what Mm -hmm. route route to take. Everything does have a process and we know that we have to ideate before we design you know we can't just hop right into design. So I think that is like a, a bare bones process, but how how you go about ideating might look different each time, right? Mm-hmm. Because of the different type of problem. So based on like your intuition or based on the type of problem it is, you are able to categorize, you know, where, where do I need to pull from? What frameworks do I need to use for this? But I don't think that's like a rigid process because it'll change problem to problem. You're not trying to say, right. okay, for this strategy work, I need a persona and a journey and I need a Moscow uh, matrix and I need this. You're saying that, okay, on this strategy project, I might need some research and a discussion guide because I know I have to do research in order to get to the, even the ideation phase. Mm -hmm. Somebody asked me, like, how do they stay nimble in their design process? Mm -hmm. It's just like, don't try to force things in. So like how we, we always talk about how people unnecessarily use personas and that and they just use a persona say meet john and john never comes back up and john has never influenced anything else in this design process but you use that persona because you you knew you should you should have a persona in there
1: Mm -hmm.
0: because somebody told you that was a part
1: of your process
0: but really you ain't need that persona so why 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 did you even create it why'd you build it
1: understanding the why can help inform when to pull these things out of your file cabinet about how, how to do things. I think this is, I think this is interesting because a lot of times you look at this profession and a lot of times the way you learn it is a very like process oriented way. And it's say like, you know, research and I'm going to do this. And then this is this and this, and then outcome solution case study. Right. And that's, not how like that's fine for problems are in a vacuum but problems exist in the actual world do not have those do not have those nice like parameters on them right it's it's like you don't always get to start with the research you don't always get to just hop into ideation sometimes you start with the design you know like problems are different and i think and i think Mm -hmm. that's the point here is that like understanding that problem is the first step right not the last step not the fifth step but the first step because then after that you can sort of augment everything else that is that is you know around it right but it's it's more like when you're just going through the motion doing this stuff you're really just kind of throwing tools at the machine right the same way Mm -hmm. this one that i have up here when i talk about you know our creativity but something i'm thinking about is um you can't simply how might we every single problem that you see. Can you give an example of a how might we? Okay, so so I, I think, okay, here's an example. How might we ease the financial strain of parents?
0: You can't really how might, that's so broad. Like, there's so many can That's what I'm
1: saying. But that's what I'm saying. Like, pe- people will try to attack that problem. There hasn't
2: been enough research into that to really know which question to ask. Work, how might we save them money on extracurricular activities? Because these are the ones the most money is spent. And
0: right. You do have to do a lot, a lot more research because problems become complex. Like that's a complex problem. Like, how might we ease the financial mm-hmm. strain of oh, you said single parents? You said mm-hmm. what what is their problem? Like, okay, they're they don't make enough money to make ends meet. Why don't they make enough money to make ends meet? Why you know, why did they choose steps. the jobs that they chose? Why do, Where do they yeah. work? Like, I need to know all of those types of things before I can, how might we...
1: We appreciate design thinking, but it doesn't always appreciate us, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't appreciate us as people of color. It doesn't appreciate us as Black people. It doesn't appreciate us as Latinx women. Like I've heard a lot of people
2: say that when they actually get down to it, into the UX of things on, at work, that there isn't the same approach. That human-centered approach isn't really there. That design thinking, that slow down thinking, isn't really there. And while that might be how we're trained, and that might be the ideal, that it just doesn't exactly happen like that.
1: Mm-hmm. It it doesn't, because it's you know it's a, it's a slow, considered process. But everybody in the world is like, ship quick and like you know get the shit out the door. Let's you know mm-hmm. we don't got time to be sitting here ruminating for eight years. Mm-hmm about you know about this about this problem that has a thousand different layers sort of to it
0: yeah and there's like clients too like clients rush the process and I say the process as like a a theoretical thing like um but clients will rush it because it's like okay I came to y'all two weeks ago with this problem and I need it solved yesterday so like and they speed Mm -hmm. it up but it's like damn we don't even get time to like marinate with it Mm
1: -hmm. some of these problems that people are you know that were out here sort of design thinking around are systematic issues that no one designer i think is going to be able to solve like if like you see people out there who are saying like okay how might we get rid of racial inequality and it's just like that is not a design problem it's
0: not it's not it's a systemic and systematic issue that needs to be addressed there so
1: it's like you giving me more access to jobs is not going to fix the root problem the
0: problem (laughs) is you motherfuckers are racist the problem starts with (laughs) the end so now you got to you gotta
1: What what if michael jackson said you got to
0: look yourself Nah, in, man the in the mirror, you know it. <laughs> in the- Mike in his grave, he don't know if he want to turn over oh. or if he want to clap.
1: Aver. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know it, you know. Come
1: Anyway,
2: that Michael- leads well into mine. <laughs> Michael Jackson. <laughs> no, not the Michael Jackson. <laughs> Okay, the one that the one that you guys got me thinking about was eleven and twelve, where they say empathy is not enough, but
1: compassionate action is better than empathy. Mm-hmm. Y'all remember when I did that? Um, when I did my thesis on understanding what empathy mm-hmm. was, and how I made the point that like empathy is a is, you know is a muscle, right? And it's a muscle that allows you to act compassionately. It's a muscle that should allow you to have some action. And without it, you just up here feeling a lot of shit. Right. But feelings are not enough, you know? Like, don't get me wrong. I know designers want to be empathetic, right? We say that we need to be empathetic, but uh, one, I don't think that we all are. There's no way we can be like Mm. like, probability and statistics are at play here. That don't don't mean they're not great designers though, or don't they can't be great designers, right? Literally under the
2: quote for number 11, it says many people assume that empathy is an inherent skill of all designers and therefore easy. But this mythology is deeply problematic and detrimental to human centered practices.
1: That's why I really love, you know, stuff that we get to work on where you're actually working with the client Mm -hmm. and sort of, you know, because they're close to people. Like they understand the people that work in the business and stuff like that more so than I almost ever could.
0: Yeah Well then the second half Of that SP When we talk about uh, Number 12 About compassionate action um, Being better than empathy They talk about like uh, How empathy is a feeling Of what Like what somebody else is feeling And like attempting to mm-hmm really experience what they're experiencing and, and that's impossible. Um, so that's what they were saying. Like compassion and like empathy allows people to remain rational. And I, I think and I can see that. Like me being the person that I am, I am a I I claim, well, I'll say that I'm an empath Like I literally can feel what other people are feeling. I literally I can mm-hmm. like your energy really does rub off on me but a lot of that is not true for a lot of people a lot of people what they are feeling is not a sense of empathy it is a sense of compassion saying like okay i i can almost understand what you're going through i can't feel what you're going through but i can understand it and uh, and that is what mm-hmm. allows us to be able to solve their problems because we're able to understand what they're going through remain rational and mm-hmm. then address a, the address the problem then
2: I can think of a time where I wish that it had been addressed more. When we had that live client in our first semester, though so everyone delivered awesome stuff, I think maybe it was a little bit overwhelming mm. and lacked a little bit of compassion. Everyone
1: delivered stuff that was that was out of touch for exactly. her because they didn't understand. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. If we were able to work on that now, imagine how much like more compassionate we yeah, would be, for right? Sure. And, like understanding we would be because we now understand a little bit more sure. right because we, we've had experience we 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 are very you know we've had experience we understand that and it's just imagine how many people like designers have clients they just fuck up because they don't
0: they don't yeah. understand they don't relate and they don't like with with her I feel like with her and this is just me I I understand where she's coming from. I understand what she was trying to do, I understand. And then, like y'all said, some of the solutions that were presented to her, I can see how they were overwhelming because they were completely out of touch with what Mm -hmm. she needed. She just wanted to know, how can I keep my family business afloat? Motherfuckers is giving her (laughs) digital installations and, nigga, she can't afford that. I'm sorry, y'all, excuse my language, but if she can't afford that shit, like, come on, y'all, be realistic. Like, it's
1: like your heart was in the right place, but yeah, you know. And I didn't
0: realize who
2: I, we were dealing with. I think honestly, or else I would have said something. But I had to have like little asides with people as as the project went along. Just like, hey, like you understand where the starting point is. Like obviously, it's not going to be what you're used to working on, but at the same time, you can offer valid advice in a kind way. But I guess I didn't emphasize enough. Okay.
0: I was just about to say, like, that could have been a great opportunity, too, for the professors to be like, to, to really drive home a lesson in compassion and empathy for the people that you are working with. Because as consultants and as, like, creative people and people solving problems for brands, I think that's going to be important because you never mm-hmm. know what, what you might encounter. Mm-hmm. Say, say you have a, a client pitch with somebody. And the client just had a baby and maybe she needed to bring her baby to the pitch and she got to breastfeed her baby in this pitch. Girl, that's a wild like, example. How does that-
1: I, I bet it happened. I, bet, be, it happen. I <laughs> bet it's happened. <laughs> what has allowed y'all to sort of work on your own empathy and your own compassion? Has there anything like recently or in the past like year or so that you're like, man, I'm, I've am i grown from this. For me personally, it's been like getting, getting a dog has allowed me to sort of diffuse certain situations at work because now- I'm able to understand like you know what this was a fault. The problem is communication here and not between you and I. Let's attack that and you know, like move forward with that. Um, that's been, I guess, really good for me and reframing a lot of stuff.
0: One thing that has helped me, and this has this wasn't recently, just probably like four years ago, maybe five years ago. I worked at a call center and that really like I've always been a compassionate and empathetic person always my whole life uh my mom always used to tell me like stop wearing your hearty on sleeve stop you know letting people affect you so much and stop letting you know people's emotions affect you so much um because I like I've always been this way but working at that damn call center child I had to learn how to not to cuss people out and it works like Bringing that call center etiquette back into my life, it kind of actually hindered me in a way because now I'd be I I'd be, I'd be great giving people too much grace when I should have just cussed them out and keep it pushing. But I don't because I'd really be thinking like, okay, I don't know if you had a bad day today. I don't know what's going on today. But working in that call center definitely helped me. Yeah. What about you, SP?
2: Remember last year, I didn't want to have a mentee. Mm-hmm. So I felt like there was too much going on in the program. It was too much going on. I'm not sure how I'm gonna be a resource to you, um, but it ended up, I inadvertently acquired a mentee. Um, but in doing that, I found that, I guess I guess I was able to practice the advice that I didn't find very helpful. And like was able to like flip what I said to that person and make it more useful because I really did truly understand the situation. Mm-hmm. But in those times, it wasn't like, yeah, I know, it's rough, like platitudes type of thing. A lot of times it was just like, hey, I also cried in the bathroom after that presentation, too. Like, it's okay, And just normalizing Mm -hmm. that. And I think that made all the difference for real. Um, Obviously, I got to check back in with the homie. But Mm -hmm. um, I do think that I was able to make like a positive difference. Um, and that's not how I would have approached it before. I think if you would have caught me a year or two prior, I would be like trying to give like real advice and like, oh, you should do X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. instead of just being there in that moment, right. sharing something that's embarrassing about me that you know helps you normalize you right. it.
1: You know what? Mm-hmm. Be more embarrassing and awkward, right? Yeah. They were talking about, I think it was at my internship. Um, they were talking about the, like pauses in conversation and like in one-on-ones. And they were like, saying, yeah, you know, most people try to like wrap it up. But he said, live in that moment for a little bit. Make it awkward. Make it weird. You know, bring up some stuff. And I was like, you know, that's true because out of awkwardness sometimes come this, comes like vulnerability that sort of allows mm-hmm. you to like, uh, you know, understand people on a human level a little bit more. Like it's it's okay to sit in silence, right? That's something I had to get comfortable with, but it's like, I don't know. I, that was an aside. That just really made me think about just like being awkward and being vulnerable and how that's how this sure. an important part of this is just sort of, yeah, being open.
2: Yeah, for sure. It really helps people, especially when they think that you've got it together all the time or they think that you're like super mm-hmm. like, Charming. You can just be weird and awkward and be like, oh my God, yeah, I'm super weird. And then they're like, oh my God, I'm weird too. And they that really means something to people like that. It really does.
1: Weird people really like finding other weird people. They do. And then
2: I mean, I would the know. fact
1: is that we're all weird, right? Exactly. Okay. So any last words? So for our creativity and our own intention, was there a theme for this?
2: I think that the thread there was really understanding problems
1: Mm -hmm. Like understanding
2: the root of a problem. I think that's where the compassionate action gets tied in.
1: All right. So our last topic area, our last thing is to talk about um, for the folks. So for people at home, for their creativity, what are some lessons do we think will really resonate (laughs) with them? You know, we've talked about our show. We've talked about for ourselves personally. But now, what do we think are those moments that people should be having for their own sort of creativity?
2: SP and I'm going to give mine. Number one is act more than you talk and listen more than you think. And I say that because it's something that I personally have struggled with in my creativity of just doing the damn thing. And a lot of the times I feel that there are people who know they're creative and then they don't do anything to create or they know that they're into this hobby and then they don't work at it or try at it and i think there's a lot of people who are probably suffering mm-hmm. for not creating what's in mm-hmm. them
0: that causes a lot of regrets to y'all trust me there are so many things i wish i could go back to high school and do
1: mm-hmm. child um, if I only
0: <laughs> like but we don't have time machines yet so y'all be in the moment yeah really do what you set your like Follow your heart, follow your intuition. And I, I promise you, it'll never lead you astray. Um, that if I had to give advice today, that'd be the piece of advice I give.
1: It is, you know, act more, do less. A lot of times I even think back to how many times I've sort of held myself back from, you know, doing something, from speaking up, from getting into this venture, you know, from any, any sort of reason. How I've just been like, nah, you know, I think it'll be cool, but I'm not gonna do it. And that's just and that's just like, you know, I'm not mad about where I'm at now, right? I'm not mad about those decisions, but there are opportunities to sort of learn. I feel like those moments when you stop yourself are also opportunities to learn more about yourself and sort of figure out, well, what's stopping me? Right? Mm-hmm. Jeremy, why can't, you know, I got no roller skates. It's like, why haven't you started a roller skate? Like, what's the problem? What is that? I found that the problems that I found the problems that, like, I didn't like being looked at from people in my apartment complex because I was still learning it and it was awkward. So now I'm like, fuck what these people think. And also, you can go to a different spot and say, so, you know, and so because I still, you know, I drive past people and they're skating. I'm like, fuck, I want to learn that my skate's sitting right up there. And I, you know, deprive myself of a little bit of joy because I was, I found out my my fear was out of other people thinking like what would they think about me?
0: Yeah, but what if those people are like, "Oh shit, he out here skating. I got my skates. Let me go get mine too." And cuz maybe I can learn something from him or maybe he I could teach him something.
1: Ain't it crazy how our minds don't work like that? Mm.
0: It is. It's always what if I fail. It's never right. it's, what if I
1: fly. Who who beat us like that? like who beat this into <laughs> us? SP, you've been kind of quiet.
2: I was just laughing to myself because we were talking about maybe it comes from our culture to be afraid to fail. And um, yeah, have you ever tripped in front of a group of black people?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's comical as fuck. It's,
0: uh, I'm weak. Yes, yeah, That shit is funny.
1: My next one on this lesson um, for the folks, is a lesson in creativity. Is you know, just this lesson that is also a word. Is that our industry needs a different type of designer, and I'm gonna stress that needs a different type of designer. And I will say this does have a lot of caveats to it. So I want to reference this public public's work, public's artwork. Anyway, I want to reference this work of art that was done in actually Pittsburgh and it was by Alicia B. Wormsley. And essentially she put this billboard on top of a building that said, there are Black people in the future, right? And it was a very provocative statement um, to the city that the landlord like, like issued to take it down, like all this other stuff. But I think the reason I bring this up is because that's a reminder that we as black folk, we as people of color, we as all X, Y, and Z will be here in the future, creating shit, right? Doing the damn thing, being needed to reinvent the wheel. Our creativity has been undermined, right? But it's still there. You look at these clubhouse auditions, right? Where people are putting on full production of the fucking Lion King and shit like that and doing auditions for Dream Girls, Like our talent cannot be matched. And so we're gonna be here. We're here now, we're here in the future. <laughs> And it's about time. This I sound like I'm shouting to, to the rooftops. for here now. We're here in the future. <laughs> no, but it, but it's time our industry is like accept that there's a different type of designer, and that is that is just not saying sort of like education wise. That's saying there's a different type of creative mind out there, and that's my story. And that's all so Mary had a what little lamb, little lamb. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What's up? Oh. what's another piece? A piece that we have for. Um,
0: so I have two actually the first one I'm just gonna like kind of streamline it from what we already talked about it says never speak for free at conferences organized by for-profit companies Mm -hmm. charge your full price so for me when I read this it kind of resonated that like don't don't short yourself okay Mm -hmm. fuck these people fuck their wallets up That's what I got from that. When I read that, that's what I heard. Um, But I also feel like it's also like this sentiment of, you know, don't, don't like walk into a space and become small because you're the only one in the room. Don't, you know, be who you are, be loud, take up space, do what you got to do as long as you get your job done. I think that you are able to be who you want to be when you want to be, you know? Um, stop, like, I don't really even know how to say it. I just feel so passionate about this. When I read that, yeah, don't discount yourself. yourself. Be, be you. Be completely you. Like, stop code switching. When you, like, just be you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, that's it. Like, that's my nugget from this, from this piece. But
1: like, again, that goes back to like, as we've said like thousands of times before, like it's almost impossible to be you when everything around you is telling you to be a certain, a, be a different way. And if, if one thing, you know, on this podcast that I would like to say that we are, we are a protest to that notion because we are what living in our truth and just trying to be ourselves and talk about this stuff in the way that we only know how, which is like authentic to us.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's charge your price and be yourself.
0: Add tax. add tax, charge a price to add tax. Like that's really how I feel. Um, Yeah. That's my piece for um, that. And then the other one that I have that I wanted to talk about is like craft. Um, It it is portfolio season. So naturally people are going to be, (laughs) people are going to be reaching out to us to um, review their portfolios. So this one is a portfolio is about your craft, not your projects. Focus your portfolio on showing your craft and your polished, and, and how much you care about your work. And then when you get to the interview, you'll have plenty of time to walk them through your case studies from top to bottom. What they'll say is your we want to know your why. Like, why did you make the choices that you made? And that's going to be like super important. And I think the way that you think and as it applies to ux the way that you think is your that is your craft
1: i think that's it
0: yeah it's it's thank you all for rocking with us again another week of hmm, the creative block formerly known as the just us podcast and make sure y'all follow us on uh, our social media on instagram at the creative block podcast website coming soon
2: subscribe to our podcast and your favorite streaming channel and also like us give us five stars and follow us on social media and like everything that we post and comment on it too and DM us oh when
1: have you have questions or idea <laughs> you have you have one line <laughs> it's a call to revolution <laughs> and that's on what
0: Mary had a little lamb
1: Peace.